When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Friday, September 30th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 480 featuring the Boston Globe's Adam Himmelsbach is powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. What's up, everyone? Welcome in. New edition of Celtics Beat. Adam Kaufman here with you. But way more importantly, another Adam. And Adam that graces us with his presence. But once a year is when I come begging him to join us. And we thank him. A golf clap. Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe. How are you, buddy? Good, man. I feel like I may even have gone beyond the once a year. I think we might be bordering on two years at this point. <laughs> we might. Be. The important thing is, though, that you're here and that, uh, and, and I'm just, these are my words, not yours, that you're ours, that you're ours, because you uh, you don't do a whole lot of these. So I greatly appreciate when you do hop on it. It could be, a, is it a Syracuse bias? Because I'm, I'm fine with that. It actually is part Syracuse bias. How can I turn down a fellow orange? <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, listen, we were planning to all, all of about what a half hour ago or so plan to come in and and talk about some of the impact of of everything that's basically happened since media day, because the last time that we had one of these shows here was just before on the heels of everything that had started to come down surrounding now former or at least suspended head coach Ime Odoka. It's the Joe Missoula era, and we will get into that and the players' reception to it. But we have news, breaking news, news that you, in fact, reported out there as well, and that is the fact that Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin, one-year deal, he's a Boston Celtic now, I'm all about it, and I'll give the reasons why I'm all about it, but you're the guest. Tell me how we should feel about this. Yeah, I feel like fans have been waiting for this, like, a name that they can at least be like, hey, that's a guy that I once watched, like, throw dunks on people's heads and be an all-star, even though anyone who watched, like, Celtics Nets first round last year sees that that's not who Blake Griffin is anymore. It's a, it's a big name. It'll get people excited for a few days. Um Look, they had to do something, right? Like, especially with Robert Williams' timeline being extended a little bit, Neil Gennari being out for the year, they had to make some moves. So it'll be interesting, you know, talking to people just briefly. Um, obviously, you know, this happened like literally 30 minutes ago or so, 45 right. minutes ago. Um, but they feel like he can be a contributor and they like his versatility. They like that he can play the four and the five. They said that, you know, doing a couple of the things Al Horford does, obviously not quite at the level Al does then and a little different, but you know, he could be a contributor and he's going to get a shot. And they saw him play in LA um, a couple of times recently and saw enough to bring him in. 
It's funny, too, because uh, literally one hour ago, so before this news broke, I want to shout out my my guy, Seth, who might be driving around listening, but he's something, he's one, a good friend, but also something of a character on this show that has joined us from time to time. He tw- he uh, he texted me, he said, extremely out there thought, at least it was at the time, of all the unsigned free agent players, the one I'd want most as a backup center on this team is Blake Griffin, solely because he's a great passer. Other than that, I can't find a single skill I'd want in any of these guys, looking at <laughs> Carmelo Anthony and, and Dwight Howard and, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge and, and you name it. So uh, a little bit of foreshadowing, I guess, on, on that part, because all of 20, 25 minutes after that text, Blake Griffin's a Boston Celtic. I just it makes all the sense in the world to me, Adam, when you look at the fact that this team has needed big man depth. You talk about Gallinari and obviously Rob Williams being out potentially the first half of the year. And who knows where he goes from there because that eight to 12 weeks was just resume basketball activities, right. never mind necessarily getting back on the floor. But how much can you really rely on the Luke Cornets of the world and, and, you know, Noah Vonley, if he makes the team or cabin Gelly or any of these guys, you need a veteran. And, and like you said, he's not what he used to be. And that's fine. He doesn't need to be, he can defend he can, you know, score a little bit. He's a great passer, as Seth alluded to. But I think the biggest thing, as we look ahead toward the playoffs, because everyone knows this is a playoff team, it would have to be a disaster for this team to not make the postseason. It's just about giving Al Horford and some of these other guys a, a break. Like, let's just spell them a little bit and get a, a, a body in there for 12 to 15 minutes a game. Yeah, and, like, I mean, even with Gallinari, like, when you looked at the depth this team has – I saw, it, to me, it felt most likely that they would get to the playoffs and it would be certainly possible that he wouldn't even be in the rotation, you know? Like, the playoff rotation is condensed so much um, that if Blake can just help you, whatever, play 10-15 during the regular season, Rob comes back, like, I'll put, let's put it this way, I'll be stunned if the playoffs roll around and the Celtics are relying on Blake Griffin to give them minutes. 100%. Um, well, <laughs> now, now, we have, now we have news. Uh, Jared Weiss, our guy, he was on with us last week. Uh, according to him and Sham Sharania, so I know this is leading to you having to do more work in a little bit here. Uh, Luke Cornett suffered an ankle sprain in practice this week. He's going to be out one to two weeks. So they needed another big. If, if Luke Cornett's out for a week, you know, I think that's the Kaufman, this is a lot to do. I told my internet literally crashed. It just came back. And now my ESPN came on. So we need to let you. I need to mute this TV. Yeah, please. Yeah. This, we don't need Stephen A screaming at you. Well, we're trying yeah, to talk just, about it. Just pop back on. It's been off for an hour. <laughs> That's okay. You do the mute. So now we, we've got we've got some more news. And again, it's not it, obviously a week to two is, is not devastating. We're still a couple weeks out from the start of the season to begin with. But, you know, training camp is underway and practices are underway and preseason games are going to happen as soon as this weekend. So Celtics basketball is obviously on the verge of returning. And, and you know, as uh, I know we only have you uh, for a limited time and it'll be a, a shorter show than than we typically do because Evan's not here with me as well. But as, as all of this is kind of coming into focus, and I, I know that, there are a lot of things still to potentially anyway to come out surrounding Ime Odoka. But I mentioned earlier, it's the Joe Missoula era now. And and he has he's really impressed me so far. You know, as someone who who didn't know a, a whole lot about Missoula, and I don't even mean his background. I just mean listening to him and, and, and hearing all of these interviews that now he's been thrust into an incredibly difficult situation. Everybody knows that. But I think to this point, he's really said and done all the right things. The message has been good. The players seem to... Uh, not that they're going to say otherwise, but the, the players certainly seem to support him. How, how do you think all of this is going to go 
not looking months down the line, but just initially start of the season uh, because they, they've not been given much time uh, to adjust to all of this, obviously. Yeah, I've really been struck by talking to people around the organization last week. Like, obviously, the email news is front and center, but then when you pull back from that, there's a lot of, hey, look, like, Joe Mazzula is going to be a star as a coach. Um, the amount of people who have seen this in him and believe in him and just have, like, complete confidence that this is going to work uh, has been something to see. I mean, he kind of saw the first hints of it over the summer, really. Like, here's a guy, he wasn't even a bench coach last year. Like, he wasn't a top three assistant. And Danny Ainge had a head coach opening Utah and brought Joe in for an interview for the head coaching job. Also, he went to Will Hardy. But that was, like, a serious interview. That wasn't like, oh, let me do Joe a favor. Like, I talked to Danny about that afterwards. Like, he was a real candidate. And then once Will Hardy goes, almost instantly, Ime bumped Joe onto a bench slot. Um, you know, he's he's viewed as kind of a rising star in the profession. He, hearing, you know, I've gotten to know him a little bit over the years um, as an assistant, but hearing people talk about him and describe him, it's interesting to me how much uh, it sounds like Brad Stevens when you come to the thoroughness, um, the details, the attention to detail, uh, the, the calmness, it just it's, it has a very much Brad Stevens vibe, which would, you know, give you something as why maybe Brad likes him so much. Um, but they're, they feel really confident. They want to see what he can do. I'm curious. I've, I've heard from multiple t- people who are, are closer to the team than I have, and than I am certainly that, just about Joe's, uh, not not personality, by all accounts, he's a great guy, but in terms of his coaching approach, that he's, you know, he can be a little bit, you know, more kind of confrontational and and, and, and and aggressive a coach, kind of, you know, sort of in a similar vein to that of Vime Odoka and what worked so well with all of these players seemingly last year, except he, you know, he's, he's 34, he doesn't have the resume, he doesn't have the cachet that, you know, Ime had coming in as a former player and a guy who was an assistant for a decade. I'm, I'm wondering if, if you've heard the same thing about Joe and if, in fact, that's true, what kind of, you know, how, how do players respond to that when, when it's, you know, someone coming at them who, again, hasn't been there, hasn't done it? Yeah, I'd say two things. That one is I, I don't get the sense it's quite as forceful as Ime Um that approach. And again, we haven't seen him in this role here, but right. uh, I think Ime was a little more blunt, a little more direct. I don't think you'll see Joe, like Ime would light these guys up to us in press conferences. We love to right. call them honest Ime. And uh, I don't think you'll see that from Joe, especially early on. Um, and the fact that he hasn't been an NBA player, normally I think that would like maybe factor in, but look, this guy's been here for three years already. All these guys know him. He's been position coaches for several of these guys. So they they respect him already. If he had just come in out of nowhere, let's say he came in from West Virginia, and they're like, this guy's our coach now, hmm. it would be viewed differently. But I think the confidence they already have in him, they've seen him put in the work. Um, they've seen you know his knowledge of the game, his skills as a coach. I think it should be pretty seamless. And you got to remember, they have their entire staff, basically, from last year that's back, right. too. So they do have some continuity, as well as basically their entire roster. You know, aside from adding Malcolm Brogdon, their main pieces are all pieces that are returning. So I think there's something to be said for that, too. 
So all that being said, I know you've been reporting on this as well, the possibility of, of adding somebody to that bench because you do lose a whole lot of experience in EMA and, and now Joe takes the job and, and doesn't have that. He's got a few years, like you said, but he doesn't have that same experience. And there was the reporting about Jay Laranega. looks like that's obviously not going to happen. He's going to stay in L.A. So, you know, people have mentioned Frank Vogel. I've seen some other, you know, former head coaches being named just on Twitter is in what you've gathered so far and talking to your sources, do you think there will be an addition to this bench to not come in and, you know, be an understudy or, or be a right-hand man to Joe necessarily, but to just someone that can be another ear, another voice, someone who's who has done it? Yeah, my guess is they'll add somebody. Um, like you mentioned, the Jay Laranega news came out a couple of days ago that they're seeking permission and received permission to speak to him, which, you know, was accurate. But I heard pretty quickly that that just wasn't going to happen. But I was also told by people in the organization that like look we've like yeah we're speaking to jay but we've spoken to a lot of people already that's how i'm used to seeing this adam with like trade rumor season right a guy Mm -hmm. a team will talk you know there'll be 20 teams talk a team's talk about 20 different guys you hear about one of those 20 and everyone thinks that deal is about to happen this isn't that extreme but yeah they're speaking to jay but they're speaking to other people we haven't heard about like it wasn't um like some imminent thing with jay but my guess is they'll add someone uh i would almost I would be a little surprised if it, if it was like a Frank Vogel type, because I think Brad is aware, and we saw this last year, even when he was president of basketball operations, Ime was coach. I think he's aware of not wanting to feel like someone's looking over your shoulder or stepping on toes. Um, like he, he stayed away from Ime's coaching office last year and was like, look, I, this is his team. Like everyone's like, oh, Brad, are you going to give him advice? Is there going to coach for it? I'll be a sounding board when he needs it, but he's coaching this team. I think if you bring in some guy who's had 25 years NBA head coaching experience or something like that, it might feel a little different. Like people would be looking in that direction. So, you know, that's not to say they won't, but it would surprise me a little bit. Listening to the press conference that did, uh, one, I thought, you know, Brad in particular, but I, I thought both handed it well, but I, I thought Brad in particular was was very, very good. But obviously an interesting talking point that people want to continue to bring up is, you know, about the coaching. Like, Brad, did you ever consider coming down from the front office to do this? And, you know, he was adamant that absolutely not. That was never on his radar. Wick, you know, interjected and said, well, we had, the, you know, the, the one conversation, which, you know, was a, a little bit awkward, obviously. But, you know, people keep asking me on Twitter and maybe you as well if – you know, well, if things start slow for Joe and it's not going well, is there any chance, blah, blah, blah. And Brad has certainly, by all indications, said, like, that's not happening. Like, this this year is going to go however it goes under Joe Missoula. Joe Missoula is the guy. And it what that screams to me in part is that anyone that has any sort of idea about Brad Stevens coaching this team again ever, like, that's just not happening. I, I'm not, to, you know, necessarily saying he's never going to coach again ever anywhere, but I would say his time coaching the Boston Celtics, like that era is complete. He is now happy in the role that he's in. Yeah, I mean, you never, you never know like what the future brings. He obviously has young children. And that's that's a really big part of this. Like his son Brady's playing high school basketball. Like, you know, who knows? Maybe when they go off to college and they're not around anymore, he gets itch again. Who knows? Um, but yeah, there's no, there's no short term thing. I asked, I asked around a little more about that, like. Like, was it, did he really never give a consideration? And it wasn't, it wasn't a thought. Like that, that, the whip conversation, as I understand it, was basically whip saying, Hey, you know, would you have interest? And Brad being like, No. <laughs> as opposed to like, Hey, maybe like, you know, bouncing the thought back and forth. 
Um, he's comfortable in this role. Uh, and like the, the pandemic times took a lot out of him. This current situation, obviously, I mean, you saw it on his face, like he started tearing up early in his press conference. This mm -hmm. situation is taking a lot out of him. Uh, and I think there's part of him also that likes the idea of giving someone like Joe a chance, someone he sees like big things for in the future um, and believes in and, and thinks can be a good coach of this basketball team. And people forget almost like last, remember last January, people were like, some people wanted an email fired. Like, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. over his head, get him out of here. And then they almost win a championship under him. Not to say either of those things are going to happen necessarily under Joe, but the idea that like if the Celtics have a slow start, they'll be heat on Joe is outrageous. Like he'll, he'll coach the whole season. So is everything done? Like the, you know, again, they might add someone else, you know, to the bench, obviously to, to work with Joe and the coaching staff. But now that Blake Griffin is here, fully guaranteed one year deal, you know, it's, we'll see if any of these guys emerge from training camp to earn a roster spot, but, but there's no other anything that we're waiting for, you know, in, in terms of like the team, I don't mean email. I mean the team to, to complete this thing. Like this is the group now going into the season. This is the coaching staff. This is like all, all questions at this point in time, as it relates to the team entering a new season have been answered now. Yeah, I would say for the most part, uh, the only the only change at this point would be adding, like you mentioned, adding another assistant, which I think we could see, but that's not going to be anything seismic. Um, I, you know, training camps here, like they play a preseason game on Sunday. Like the season's here. This isn't the time usually where you're like, all right, let's start making significant alterations. And they, the other part is they feel like obviously Danilo going out is tough. Um, Rob's situation is pretty unknown, but they feel pretty good about this group. I think they're really intrigued to see Brogdon. Um, be a guy that has plays a significant role and they feel good about his ability to kind of mesh with this group, um, you know, and, and just the comfort level. Like these guys, I think it was Grant Williams that said after the first practice, he was like, I think we could go out. He said, we picked up right where we left off. He's like, I think we could go out and play a game right now. If we needed. And you can't really overstate how important, like having a, all that playoff experience and success would be like having these same guys come back and you have like a little different, swagger a little different confidence after going through that like yeah they lost but like they had the warriors like not on the ropes obviously but they had the warriors in a bad spot in the nba mm -hmm. final a few months ago and these, and now those players uh are back on the court for this season so i think they feel good and they want to get it started and kind of see what things go is your expectation this is a team that's you know not necessarily definitively it's hard right it's not automatically going to be granted a path through the East to the NBA finals like last year, but, but regardless of the coaching change, you look at this group and you say finals contender once again, I think contender is the big word, you know, like I said, they easily could have lost to Milwaukee. They could have lost to Miami and they, they had like good help. Like people talk about how, you know, oh, the hospital Celtics are always injured, blah, blah, blah. ultimately in the playoffs, they had really good help while a lot of other teams didn't, they kind of had a, every little thing kind of bounced their way along the way. And that's tough. Like it's tough to have that. And they've already had signs this year of that not happening. Um, but they're in, they're in a mix, right? Like the Bucks will be there. The I still think the Nets are going to be intriguing. I'm, I'm, you know, it's hard to say they're so flammable. Um, yeah. But they're so talented. And like, you know, people forget about guys like Joe Harris, even coming back, like, if Ben Simmons is anything close to Ben Simmons. So it's it's, it's going to be fun. 76ers, obviously. Like, if the James Harden stuff is real, like, 
they, they're going to be tough. It's going to be top of the East is going to be entertaining, close, um, and there's going to be some random tough injuries that flip things one way or another. We'll see. Let's take one quick break from the show, uh, the Adams, I guess, and uh, tell you about our good friends, our partners, BetOnline.ag. Football, of course, is back week four, and BetOnline remains your top source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends, you name it, at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, giveaways, all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. Bet MLB. Playoffs are obviously right around the corner. MMA, tennis, boxing, golf. You got that going on. Hockey and basketball futures are on the horizon. Football, I talked about. What's going to happen with the Patriots in Green Bay this weekend? Is Mac Jones somehow, some way, actually going to play? Boy, that would be a blow for Brian Hoyer. Although Brian Hoyer has lost 11 straight starts going back to 2016. So that might be a good thing, ultimately. But uh, we'll have to find out how Mac's feeling and whether his play, if it happens, ends up moving the lines. But these are the things to keep a close eye on, obviously, at BetOnline. Head to BetOnline.ag. Join up. Receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code. It is CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's get back to the show. All right, you've got to run, so two very quick things. The first being, I know obviously you're not going to, you know, break news on this show. You're going to do it in your paper. But we often joke that, you know, there we record a show. In this case, it's live. It's not like we normally do it. But we record a show, and then breaking news happens, and we miss the boat, and we're mad at ourselves. Do you have news that, that we should be on the lookout for a little bit later on today or tomorrow? Uh, I wouldn't say news. I have a – I can give you something. I have a – a story about Marcus Smart that I'm going to write today. It's one of the reasons I have to go and write it. I, I saw it yeah. on my phone and see if my, my editor's watching your live feed. Now, <laughs> it'd be so fun if I got in trouble for this because I literally never do podcasts. Anyway, <laughs> one I did. It happens to be live, first of all. Second, I did it news group. Uh, <laughs> but I talked to, I sat down with Marcus Smart and he, he had some interesting things to say. The, the main one was I asked him about kind of almost what I was saying to you about coming back with swagger. I'm like, look, man, like you. You just won defensive player of the year. You were the point guard on a team that almost won the championship after people said, like, you couldn't. Like, you proved yourself on that level. Like, what is that? What kind of comments does that give you going into this season? And he just kind of shook his head and said, look, that means nothing. He goes, I don't – I forgot about that already. He goes, Some, there's a new defensive player of the year award coming this year. He's like, mine last year doesn't mean a thing. Um, and if I'm thinking about that, he's like, I won't have that same – tenacity that I need to kind of be who be what makes me Marcus smart. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And he had a couple of other, other nuggets that would be coming in the store. I'll probably post them tonight. All right. So be on the lookout for Adam's story, obviously, once he writes it, when he got, gets off with us. And, and uh, the, the last thing to your point about hopefully you not getting in trouble, when can we buggy again to join us on Celtics beat? What's what's our, our timeline here? I like the I like the one year, but this, I think this one may have been just over a year, but yeah. So are you telling me you maybe you owe me one later on, like before the playoffs? If I could, I'm going to start screenshotting the, the text. You could, you, you try in the most polite ways too. I do. (laughs) What's been going on? You've been watching Syracuse lately. Hey, you want to come back on the podcast? How about that? If Pius football wins (laughs) 10 games or more, 
I'll come on the day they win their 10th game. Okay. Well, look, they're off to a 4-0 start. Can't do any better than that. So, good. I'm into it. We'll keep it up. All right. We'll let you bounce out of here. We'll stay live for another couple minutes here. But uh, Adam Himmelsbach of the Globe, thank you so much, bud. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, for sure. Happy writing. And, uh, hey, we, we almost had some Stephen A. here with us. Uh, obviously no Evan. Uh, he's, uh, he's tied up with his, with his actual job, but I just wanted to quickly scroll through some of what we have on the YouTube feed just to see if there's, uh, anything that, uh, bears reacting to before we get out of here. Um, let's see. Uh, people talking about Blake Griffin and whether or not he can defend at 33 and a little bit hobbled and not the same guy he once was dozen years into the league and yada, yada, yada. Yes. Uh, he's, look, the guy's, He's not washed. Like he's just not nearly, you know, he's not the explosive slam dunk winner like Adam was talking about earlier that that he was once upon a time, but he's certainly a guy that can still contribute. You know, he's he's again, for me this is not I I said this earlier, but just to to mention it again because like people are talking about Whiteside and and Carmelo and you know guys like it's it's not going to happen. Like I I understand the desire to uh you know continue to add names to this team or if you believe in certain guys abilities more than you do some of the younger guys on the back end of the bench. Like I get it. You want veterans, you want names, you want people you're familiar with that you've heard of. You want a Hassan Whiteside or a Carmelo Anthony. And I was, uh, you know, cues bias aside, I was a proponent of adding Carmelo Anthony. We talked about it for months on this show. I get it, but that's not one. It's not going to happen for starters. And two, they've added Blake Griffin. And the biggest thing, and this was true of Melo as well, and quite frankly, true of Danilo Gallinari, where this all began. Like, these are guys that you're not going to see in the playoffs. And if you do, something went wrong. Something went horribly wrong. Somebody who was actually part of your eight-man rotation, your eight-man playoff rotation, got hurt. And then you had to dip down. But when you filter down that rotation in the playoffs, we see it every single year. When it goes from 10, 11, 12 in the regular season down to 7, 8, 9 in the postseason, you're not going to start to see some of those guys like that that are going to be like Carmelo was never or or just focusing on who's actually here. Blake Griffin. Look at how little he played for the Nets in the postseason. The only reason he was out there was to just give them a, a different look, to attempt to give them a spark because nothing was working for that team. It's it's not because, oh, he's, you know, if you want to say he's washed, that's why he's not part of the the tighter rotation. That's fine. He's not going to be part of that that tighter rotation for this group. He doesn't need to be. What you need for this team to be as healthy as possible in respect to Rob Williams, like in a, not that you can ever plan on health in a perfect world, Rob Williams would only play half a season every year and it would be the second half, the ramp up and then be playoffs and you wouldn't have him the first two to three months. Like that, that's great. I'm on board with that. The problem is you can't bank on health. You can't plan for health. You can't depend on health. But if you have Rob Williams there at the end and he is healthy alongside all the other guys, Perfect. But what Blake Griffin does for you right now, and you could play him in lineups with Al Horford, you could, you know, give Al Horford a break. You know, Grant doesn't have to necessarily play the same minutes. Obviously, the Jays, there's a the filter down, there's a trickle down. That's why you need to add a guy that wasn't going to hurt you. And I think Blake Griffin, you can debate how much he's going to help you on the floor. He's not going to hurt you. He's going to give you 12 to 15 you know, relatively harmless minutes and he'll hit the occasional three pointer and he'll play some decent enough defense and he can guard the five and play the five and all that. And that's, that's what you need. That's what you're looking for. That's all that really matters, you know, at, at this stage, um, uh, looking right here, uh, sad SAD says, um, 
good with signing him for mentoring bench players. Yeah, there's a, a leadership aspect, certainly. Uh, obviously, some of these guys are familiar with him. Uh, Boogie Cousins, that's that's not going to happen. Uh, people lamenting this Luke Cornett injury. Again, if you're just joining us, not serious. The Athletic reported he's out a, a, a week or two. Not a big deal. Most of the stuff is is uh, about Blake, understandably so. It's the hot topic uh, in the here and now. Uh, Rondo's not coming. That's not going to happen. Uh, it was Big Al washed? Um, Al obviously is not washed. I mean, Al had... I've talked about this a number of times on the show. Al had a great year. Al Horford had a phenomenal year. Al Horford had a turn-back-the-damn-clock fountain-of-youth kind of season. I do not, and this is no slight on Al Horford. I will explain myself very quickly. Again, I've said this before, so I don't want to harp to our, our regular listeners. But, you know, he is not going to have the year this year that he just had. He's not. There's no chance. And the reason is because he's now... 36 years old, right? He's, you know, he played a, a full season with, you know, relatively heavy minutes, added a couple months on for the for the playoffs, you know, was was terrific. He had a terrific year. But that kind of workload on that age body and that size man is going to leave an impact. He's not going to be able to go out and be that same guy when you consider also that he didn't play for what a half season plus summer prior when he was on the you know the the OKC Club Med plan like that's he, he's not going to come in rested and rejuvenated to this new season in the same way that he did upon his return to Boston a year ago at this time now he's coming in with a little bit more wear and tear more miles a little bit more tired even if he's like enthusiastic and and excited about a new year like any other player you can't expect him to replicate what he did last year especially if this team goes on another deep playoff run it's just it's unrealistic to ask that of him so again this is not a slight on on Al Horford like ah he can't do it it's a he can't do it not because he's Al but because again he's 36 and just had a, a grueling freaking year over the course of the last campaign, there's there's just no, you know, Darius saying, uh, you know, Al killed in the play. Of course, Al killed in the playoffs. You know, why would we acknowledge the troll in the chat? Yeah, he's he's good. He's solid. But he's that's what he is. He's going to be solid. He's not going to be great. And we can't, uh, you know, expect him to be great. I'm I'm excited about the Blake Griffin edition as I would have been a Carmelo Anthony edition or you know, virtually any other big, quite frankly, who was, who was qualified, you know, no disrespect to some of the guys that are in there in training camp right now, trying to earn roster spots, but guys that are coming in that have done it, that know what's expected of them. And they will play short minutes to give other guys a break, a breath, little rest. That's the bottom line for this team, right? You know, putting aside all of the coaching change drama you just want this team to be as rested and fresh as humanly possible going into the playoffs. And there's no way that we can project that months from now because serious injuries, cataclysmic injuries happen. All you can do is attempt to account for it as best you possibly can. Uh, Jason says Big Al is a year like last year because he's 36. You're crazy. He'll be better this year. Jason, talk to me at the end of the year, please, because I think you're nuts. I, I just don't see any chance that that winds up being true. I uh, want to see if we have 
anything here on uh on, on twitter uh wagner asking about blake griffin can he run defend for more than 10 minutes a game i believe that he can i do uh, i think that'll be just fine uh, i really do um ask anything more of him then yeah you're getting yourself into a a weird place obviously but you know this uh al don't look old says ray it's not about again looking old it's about the sustainability and being able to do it over the course of an entire year i i think if here if we're acknowledging some of the people that that disagree with what i'm saying about al horford here's here's how it works limit al horford to 30 31 minutes a night period like 32 33 is the absolute ceiling and he has to average 30 and as often as possible play him 25 to 27 that is the only way that you are going to have even remotely close to the same al horford this coming year is if you keep him incredibly fresh Celtics uh, D is this season already kind of a wash without Emay or the C's uh, back to being one year away after seeing how Joe pans out. So I don't think it's a wash uh, quite frankly. And, and I think Emay obviously uh, despite the early season doubters, you know, in the whatever, what, what were they? I mean, 25 and 25 through the first 50 games, somewhere like that. He, is a very good coach, you know, was a very good coach. Maybe at some point in time, somewhere else, not Boston will be a very good coach. He's a very good coach, but I think coaching only matters to a certain point in the NBA. Like what did Luke Walton go when he filled in for Steve Kerr with the Warriors, like 42 and three or some absurd number. I mean, maybe it wasn't that drastic, but the point is a guy in the right situation with the right players, the right roster, the right group, the right system, you know, you don't necessarily need to be more than kind of a, you know, a, a a guide as much as someone coming in trying to implement something brand new, which to Ime's credit is a lot of what he tried to achieve, even successfully achieved last year and lifting that team, you know, beyond where it had ever been before under Brad Stevens and getting the NBA finals and, and a gauntlet of a road to do it and having to go through KD and Kyrie and Giannis and Butler and obviously getting to the Warriors and all the assassins that are on that club. But, you know, Joe Missoula, as Himmelsbach talked about, very familiar, obviously, with this team, this system. He's been here for a few years. The players already have some trust in him. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be trying to, you know, tweak anything too dramatically. Uh, you know, maybe to some degree he'll put his own spin on a couple of things, but uh, I, I don't think, you know, anything is going to wildly change from what we saw last year. So I think Joe's going to step in and he's going to do fine. Like the, the only reason that he's not is if things go south in a hurry, the players doubt him, they tune him out and and then it's a problem. But I don't see that happening because there's already a relationship. He isn't just this new arrival. They brought in with little to no experience as a head coach uh, from, you know, the middle of nowhere, you know, coming in from Fairmont state just before the start of this year. So I, I think there's there's a level of trust that already exists, obviously. And I, I think that I think he's going to be fine. Uh, uh, Optimus Skid uh, reaching the finals, did something to this core. Joe's going to do a hell of a job. They respect him. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, I, I think that I, I do. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're still a finals contender. I think there's a reason, if you want to look at it from a betting standpoint, 
there's a reason that the betting line didn't change at all with Emay's departure and Joe coming in. It literally did not move. Or if it did, it went from what, like plus 550 to plus 600? Like it didn't move in terms of the championship odds for this team. Because coaches across professional sports, in the NBA in particular, only matter so much. You know, I think it matters a lot more when you're a bad team trying to build something than when you're an already good established team, which is obviously what the Boston Celtics are. Justin says, you're finally live and you got the breaking news, LOL. Right there with you, man. We, we got Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin City uh, is what this one's all about. So, uh, and then Buggin says, so is Zeme fired or has he quit? It's He's suspended. He's suspended for a year. And uh, I would imagine there's, uh, one, still more information to come out, and two, uh, probably some legal reasons why a lot of it hasn't come out to this point. But I, I firmly believe, and I'm, I'm not alone, uh, I, I think the majority feels this way at this point, uh, but I've been talking about this from, from the get-go. Emay's done. I'm not saying done as a head coach ever, but done in Boston. That's There's that's just no way. You know, you're especially if Joe Missoula happens to do well, which I believe he will, then you're definitely not getting Ime back here. But uh, I just, you know, it's there, there are too many reasons, workplace reasons internally and externally in terms of the PR, depending on what obviously still has to come out. There are too many reasons for Ime Odoka to not be the head coach of the Boston Celtics again. So they're probably... You know, suspension's kind of biding the time to work out a buyout as opposed to an outright firing. So he still gets some of his money and not all of it. And that's where this thing ultimately goes. That's just a theory. That's not me, you know, reporting anything. But uh, that's where we're at. Uh, a lot of the questions that we're receiving right now are, are things that we've already touched on. So by all means, I encourage you to go back, uh, relive the show. It's only been 30, 40 minutes, uh, not uh, not a big lift. But, uh, you know, obviously we, we greatly appreciate Himmelsbach for hopping on with us. A lot of fun. We'll bug him again when the Syracuse football team wins 10 games and goes to a bowl. Evan Valenti, uh, I know he hated missing this, but tied up at work, obviously. Uh, so we'll get him again next time. Uh, cool, genuine Phil. Adam, you think the Celtics can win 55-plus? Can they? Sure. Will they? I would take the under. I, I, I still in the fifties, you know, probably 52, 53, uh, 55 plus is not where I'd probably want to sink my money. Um, do they have the talent to do so? Absolutely. Rob being out the first half of the year, new head coach. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't see it. 55 is a, it's a big number, but, uh, I'm Adam Kaufman. Thanks for all hanging out with us. Our producer Ahmed, who did a, a great job bringing us live and, uh, let's, Let's do it again, huh? Doing it live in, in the spirit of Bill O'Reilly. This is a good time. Uh, so uh, on to Celtics beat next week when uh, games will be underway. First training camp or, or preseason game, rather, as we sit here just a couple of days away. So thanks for hopping on with us. Any questions, thoughts, whatever it is, uh, hit us up on, on Twitter, wherever you find us. Uh, Adam M. Confidence, where you can get me. And uh, we'll talk again soon. See ya.